Greetings, Detective. Welcome to the Murder Mystery Company in our new free service, Calm Mystery. We know that many of you need that calm and centered moment, but meditation isn't necessarily your thing. If you're a mystery lover, a crime fan, and could use a break, you've come to the right place. It sure is a suspenseful world out there, but I have good news for you. In this world, the only suspense will come from the world's best writers. For the next few minutes, we're going to close the door on the outside world. First, find a comfortable chair, sofa, or bed. Take a moment to just relax into that spot. Let your body sink in, slowly releasing the day's tension. Just relax. You've earned this time. You need this time for you. Your body will thank you. Now let's take a moment to clear your mind. I want you to focus on two things. My voice and your breathing. Take a deep breath in through your nose. Let it out slowly through your mouth. Now the same thing, but let's breathe on my count. Three counts in and four counts out. Breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. As we do this, you're going to slowly relax more and be perfectly ready for tonight's dastardly tale. Now again, breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. One more time, breathing out the last bit of stress. Breathe in, one, two, three. Now out, one, two, three, four. Excellent. Tonight's tale of mystery, intrigue, and murder is truly spine-tingling. Welcome to Calm Mystery. Our selection this time, The Earth Quarter by Damon Knight, read by Perry F. Bruns, Part 5. Please don't move, Mr. Ferguson, said Burgess. I don't trust you. All of you, stand still, please. Kudik carefully got his legs under him and slowly stood up. The men on the other side of the table were still sitting or standing where they had been a moment before. De Grasse stood in an attitude of frozen protest, one big hand flat against his trousers pocket. He looked comically like a man who has left the house without his keys. They must have taken his gun away, Kudik thought, after that affair yesterday. Monk and the aged spider were sitting tensely, trying to watch Rack and Burgess at the same time. Rack, as always, was inhumanly calm. Ferguson looked frightened. The gunman, Vic Smalley, had straightened away from the wall, 
He looked alert and unworried. Captain Rack, said Burgess, you killed that man Harkway. Rack said nothing. I did it, DeGrasse said hoarsely. If you have to shoot somebody, shoot me. Burgess turned slightly. Rack, without seeming to hurry, picked up the glass in front of him and half rose to fling the black liquor at Burgess' face. The gun went off. Burgess stumbled back a step and then toppled over with a knife handle sprouting magically between neck and shoulder. DeGrasse came hurtling across the tabletop, dived onto Burgess' prostrate body, and came up with the gun. Not more than two seconds had gone by since Rack lifted the glass. The delegates were moving away, leaving a clear space around DeGrasse and Burgess. Kudik heard some of the clattering down the stairs. Rack was leaning over the table, supporting himself with one hand, while the other rested at his waist. His attitude, together with his frozen expression, suggested that he was merely bending over to examine Burgess' body. But in the next moment he turned slightly, lifted the hand that was pressed to his side, and looked at the dark stain that was spreading over his shirt. DeGrasse stood up. Kudik went to Burgess and knelt beside him. The man was conscious and moving feebly. Lie still, said Kudik. Someone pushed his shoulder roughly, and he looked up to see DeGrasse transferring the revolver from his left hand to his right. The youngster's lips were compressed. Get out of the way, he said harshly. No, said Rack. Leave him alone. He sat down carefully. After a moment, DeGrasse went around the table and joined him. Kudik lifted Burgess' jacket carefully. There was not much bleeding, and he did not think the wound was dangerous. Burgess said weakly, Did I kill him, Laszlo? No, said Kudik. No one was killed. Burgess turned his head away. There were footsteps on the stairs, and Moskowitz came into the room, followed by Lee Farr and two men with a stretcher. Moskowitz glanced at Burgess and at Rack, then knelt beside Burgess without a word. He pulled out the knife expertly, pressing a wad of bandage around the wound. I'll take that, said Spider, bending over with his gray hand outstretched. Moskowitz dropped the knife on the floor and went on bandaging Burgess. Spider picked it up, glared at the doctor, and went back around the table. Kudik waited until Moskowitz had finished with Burgess and started probing for the bullet in Rack's side. Following the stretcher-bearers down the stairs, he went out into the clear morning sunlight. There was never any end to it. The quarter was like a tight gravitational system with many small bodies swinging around each other in eccentric orbits, and the whole shrinking in upon itself as time went on, so that it grew more and more certain that one collision would engender half a dozen more. And in the mind, too, each event went on forever. Kudik remembered Burgess in the stretcher as he was being carried home, weeping silently because he had failed to kill the man who had murdered his daughter's lover. And he remembered Rack, sitting silent and weary as he waited for Moskowitz to attend to him, sitting without anger for the man who had shot him, sitting with patience, filled with his own inner strength. 
and a grass-tortured soul who had once more shown himself willing to sacrifice himself to any loyalty he felt. Even Monk, even Spider, lived not for himself, but for Rack. There were all the traditional virtues dripping their traditional gore. Nobility, self-sacrifice, patience, even generosity. By any test except the test of results, Rack was a great man and Burgess another. And the test of results was a two-edged razor. For by that test, Kudik himself was a total failure, a non-entity. He thought, we are the hollow men, we are the stuffed men. When every action led to disaster, those who did nothing were damned equally with those who acted. Someone touched Kudik's arm as he left Chong Yin's. He turned and saw that it was Ferguson. I've got something to say to you, Kudik. I saw you were busy talking to Father Exarchos in there, so I didn't bother you. Besides, it's private. Come on down to my place. The man was doing him an honor, Kudik realized, and approaching him personally, instead of sending an underling. And now, as Ferguson stood waiting for him to reply, Kudik saw that there was something curiously like appeal in his eyes. All right, if you wish, he said. But I will have to go back to the shop within an hour. Nick has not had his lunch. I won't keep you that long, Ferguson said. They turned at the corner and walked down Washington, past Town Hall to the Little Bear. Beyond this point, everything was Ferguson's. The dance hall, the casino, the body house, two cafes and three bars, and the two huge warehouses at the end of the avenue. But it was the casino that Ferguson meant when he said, My place. A white-aproned boy got up hurriedly and opened the heavy doors when they approached. Ferguson strode past without looking at him, and Kudik followed across the long, empty room. Dust covers shrouded the roulette table, the chuckaluck layout, faro, chemin de fer, dice and poker tables. The bar was deserted, bottles and glasses neatly stacked. Ferguson led the way up a short flight of stairs to the overhanging balcony at the end of the room. He opened the door with a key, a rarity in the quarter since cylinder locks were available only by scavenging on earth and had to be imported, whereas a mechanism used by the Niori as a mathematical toy could be readily adapted into an efficient combination lock. The low-ceilinged room was furnished with a blonde wood desk and swivel chair, a long, pale green couch and two chairs upholstered in the same fabric. All earth imports, scavenged from stocks manufactured before the collapse. The carpet was a deeper green. There were three framed pictures on the walls, a blue period Picasso, a muted oyster white and gray Utrio, and a small Ruwalt clown. Ferguson was watching him. Just like my place in Chicago, he said. You never saw it before, did you? No, Kudik said. I have never been in the casino until now. Sit down, said Ferguson, pointing to one of the upholstered chairs. He pulled out the swivel chair and leaned back in it. He nodded toward the glass which formed the entire front wall of the room. 
sitting up here. I can see everything that goes on downstairs. I got a phone. He laid his hand on it. That communicates with the cashier's booth in every room. I can handle the whole place from here, and I don't have to be bothered by the goose if I don't want to. Also, that glass is bulletproof. It's Niori stuff. Ten times better than anything we had back home. They tell me you couldn't get through it with a bazooka. Kudik said nothing. What I wanted to talk to you about, said Ferguson, leaning forward with his elbows on his knees. You understand, Kudik, this is confidential. Strictly between us. I don't want any confidence that will be difficult to keep, said Kudik. What do you mean? If it is something that touches the safety of the quarter. Ferguson waved his hand impatiently. Nah, it's nothing like that. I just don't want it to get around too early. All right, use your own judgment. Here it is. Rack's coming back in about three weeks with his transport to pick up anybody that wants to go to New Earth. I'm not going, and neither are any of my boys. On the other hand, I'm not going to stay here either. It isn't healthy anymore. I don't know what Rack's got, but I've got a pretty good idea he's got enough to raise a lot of hell. Now you can figure the angles for yourself. Maybe he won't bomb this planet because he thinks he can still make some use of the quarter. But that's a big maybe. Even if he doesn't, it's a dead cinch there's going to be trouble. The Nyori know he comes here, even if they can't prove it. And when the war starts, they're going to be sore. Tell me something, said Kudik after a moment. If you knew all this long ago, and you must have, since you have been so closely associated with Rack, why did you help Rack and so force yourself to leave Palumbar? Ferguson grinned and shrugged. I'm not complaining, he said. Rack never fooled me. I got mine and he got his. It was a business arrangement. When you figure everything in, I can clear out now and I'm still ahead. See, you got to figure that nothing lasts forever. If I hadn't played along with Rack, he would have taken his business somewhere else. Maybe I could have stayed here a little longer, but then again, maybe I would have stayed too long. This way I got my information in advance and I got my profit from dealing with Rack. As a matter of fact, he still thinks I and all my outfit are going to be on that transport when it goes back to his base. He knows I wouldn't take a chance on staying here when the shooting starts. What he doesn't know is that I got someplace else to go and a way to get there. He sat back in his chair again. I got a Niori-built freighter hidden back in the hills. Had it for eight years now. It'll carry 500 people and fuel and provisions for a year on top of the cargo. And I got a planet picked out where nobody will bother me. Not Rack and not the Galactics. He took a cigar box from the desk and offered it to Kudik. Kudik shook his head, showing his pipe. Ferguson took a cigar, twirled it in his lips slowly, and lit it. You know, he said, bending forward, there's plenty of planets in the galaxy that aren't inhabited. Some have never even been explored. They're off the shipping routes, no intelligent race on them. Nothing special in the way of organic products, so nobody wants them. Rack's got one, I've got another. He gestured with the cigar. 
but I'm not using mine to build up any war base. What for? His long face contorted with violent disgust. That rack is crazy. You know it and I know it. If it wasn't for him, I could have stayed here. Who knows how long? Or I could have moved to one of the other colonies if I saw a good chance. I like it here. This is civilization. All that's left of it. But, he leaned back again, you got to take what you can get. If the odds are too heavy, cash in and walk out. That's what I'm doing. I'm retiring. On this planet I told you about, there's a big island. A tropical island. <laughs> Fruit. All you can eat. Little animals, something like wild pigs. Fish in the ocean. Gravity just a little under Earth normal. Atmosphere, perfect. And I'm taking along everything else we'll need. Generators, all kinds of electrical equipment. Stoves, everything. It'll last your lifetime and mine. He looked at Kudik. What more could you want? Kudik said slowly, You're asking me to go with you? Ferguson nodded. Sure, I'll treat you right, Kudik. My boys will go on working for me, you understand? And so will most of the others I'm going to take. I'll be the boss, but you, and three or four others, you won't have to do any work. Just lie in the sand, or go fishing, or whatever you feel like. How does it sound? You've just listened to Part 5 of The Earth Quarter by Damon Knight here on Calm Mystery. Join us next time to hear Kudik's decision. Calm Mystery is a Murder Mystery Company production, part of American Immersion Theater. Scott Crampton, executive producer. Our editor is Audra Schildhouse. If you enjoy Calm Mystery, please take the time to rate us and leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your fine podcasts. It helps spread the word, and the comments let us know what you like and how we can improve. While you're at it, tell a friend who enjoys a good story, or even an enemy if you need a distraction. And subscribe if you haven't already. That way you won't miss an episode. They'll download to your device when you least expect it. In the meantime, stay calm. Mystery is everywhere. Thank you for listening to Calm Mystery, a Murder Mystery Company production. To solve your own case with us, visit MurderMysteryZoomParty.com, all one word, and use code CALM, C-A-L-M, for $20 off your own Murder Mystery Party. We have dozens of entertaining detectives. You can even ask for me, Perry, by name. If no one else can help, and if they can find me, Maybe I can help you become Detective of the Night. That's MurderMysteryZoomParty.com, all one word, code CALM.